this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these developments have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent times. Today we will be talking to Andrew Wilson, Director of Business Development EMEA at Tosca. Tosca is a company that specializes in the supply and rental of reusable packaging for the food industry. The company has a vision for the future where one day all one-way packaging is converted to reusables and uh, to contribute to the elimination of food and packaging waste to help to create a more sustainable world. So delighted to have you with us here today, Andrew. You're very welcome indeed. Good. Thank you very much, Patrick. It was wonderful to meet you at in Dublin last week at the Supply Chain Conference. And I'm delighted to share my passion about the supply chain logistics and pooling with you. Excellent. So maybe to kick off, could you give us uh, an overview, brief overview about your background and, and career to date, and how you came to have this role at uh, Tosca? Uh, yes, um, I've been uh, nearly 40 years in business. Um, I started off in uh, flexible packaging for the healthcare industry uh, based out of Bristol. Then um, I, I moved across uh, to the States to work for ITT Rayonair in pulp and paper. Then I moved to Portland, Oregon to get into the business of phenolics. I then came back uh, and I worked with uh, Chep as senior vice president uh, in, in pallets and containers. And then I went to shift and became chief executive of Nestor Healthcare, which was in uh, nurse recruitment and doctors. And then uh, I came back I was tempted back into the supply chain and have had over 12 years with Controload and now more recently part of Tosca in the last two years. So that's sort of my um, my business uh, resume. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about the business of, of Tosca, what its strategy, its mission, and how it brings value to its customers. Yes, uh, Tosca is an agglomeration of three businesses. Tosca uh, based in the States, uh, which is owned by Apex, uh, Venture Capital Fund. And then uh, Polymer Logistics in Europe was then acquired. And then recently, Controload was acquired. Those three businesses are very nicely connected. They uh, are not competing with each other, but they bring different tenants to the supply chain. Um, Tosca's vision and mission really is to bring end-to-end -end supply chain solutions straight from um, ingredients, packaging, uh, and right from the source into a manufacturing center. And then we have products and abilities that can then move it to the retail. So instead of cutting a business just inbound or just in a factory internal circuits or just to retail, Tosca can now deliver an end-to-end -end service delivery point, which means we reuse, remanufacture, and pool products. Uh, so we're going away from the single-use throwaway uh, terminology and and really making it a circular economy. So at the at the retail end, where most of us have our experience of packaging in relation to food, what might the food supply chain look like, say, in 10 years' time in terms of reusable packaging? And how will our day-to-day -day experience be different as consumers? Well, Tosca currently are very big into meat crates, 
into egg crates and heavily into the beverage sector doing uh, trays that you will see in, in most supermarkets. I think the vision is to say, why can't it all be reusable? Why can't the consumer choose uh, to get their, their products and their shopping in the retail store, put it either into their own reusable packaging, or at least see that the supply chain feeding that uh, interface is sustainable, is sensible, and is looking at resources. Um, our products, generally when we buy them and then pull them, can last, we depreciate them between five, seven, and 10 years, and some longer. So we are trying to encourage uh, the consumer uh, to drive change with our customers who will be a retailer, who will be a manufacturer, or who will be a, a grower in a field. So if we can start linking that chain together, um, I remember working with uh, Nestle once, and their director of logistics globally said, Andrew, when can we learn that one touch is enough? And I suppose one touch, what he meant by that, and I believe in that, is if a pallet can go to, to a raw material or ingredient supplier, be used to go into that manufacturer, be clean and hygienic enough and strong enough to be able to circulate within that RDC or warehouse, and then be onward shipped to the retailer where it might even be used as a display pallet, a half or quarter pallet, actually on the retail floor. And when it's finished, we pick up clean and return in the circle. It's about having less miles, less empty miles, using backhaul um, and finding what, what is useful. One of the things that we have done in the uh, IBC intermediate bulk containers, which we do liquids and dry bulk, is you might see a wooden pallet with a corrugated box and a top to it, or you might see tomato paste on a wooden pallet, which has then got four metal drums. Well, Tosca's solution is, if you have plastic foldable bins, when you've used them once, you collapse them down. And on the return journey, they might be 14 or 6 high, but they're not metal stillages or throwaway corrugated or cardboard. So you evade splinters or, or, or more space, in fact. And I think the intelligence of Tosca and all of us in the supply chain needs to look towards what can be saving. In, 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 can you be sustainable? yet save on cost and look at the total cost of operation. So it, it may be the throwaway wooden pallet or sweeping the, the splinters off the floor or the damage rate with a nail or the safety where someone hurts their back by not having a light enough material, uh, by throwing away the corrugated underneath your product to keep it dry. The good thing about plastic and, and re uh, reusables is it's not hygroscopic. So our plastic pallets don't absorb moisture and then release moisture to your product and packaging. Um, and we have over 300 molds that we can use in our business. And we have in excess of half a billion assets. Hmm. Uh, it's, in, it's interesting to see some of the um, obstacles that 
companies perceive in the use of reusable packaging. So I have a couple of examples where companies are um, developing automated order picking uh, solutions, and they've got to put their products into plastic totes to go into the automated uh, storage retrieval system. And those companies that are faced with supply from multiple suppliers, they, they, you know, they say, you know, it's going to come, it's going to come in, in, in multiple cases, and we're going to have to split them down and put them into the totes here ourselves. But there's another company where um, their their own plant can put the product into totes that goes to the distribution center, goes straight into the storage retrieval system. So how do we how do we get around that fragmentation of the supply chain? Is this where Tosca can take charge of the assets and maybe have a, a, a rental model or use as a service model? Is that how that's going to work in the yeah. future? Yeah, I mean, we have we like to give the customer choice. So we have um uh, just a simple internal rental offer where someone could say, look, I'm spinning 8,000 pallets around in a warehouse uh, and we can rent them a pallet for, for three years or five years. But you're talking about this multiple, maybe 15 different pallet types from 15 different suppliers, some plastic, some virgin, some recycled, some with nails. Uh, an EPAL, a new EPAL, a kiln-dried EPAL, ISTMP-approved. And what Tosca can do, we call it a value stream analysis, which is basically free of charge we would come into your factory. We would do a, a walkabout and say, okay, let's look at every single product coming in. Where's it come from? On what load carrier? What's it costing you today? And can we simplify this? And I did this with one company when they said, Andrew, this was 10 years ago, can we, uh, we want to standardize on plastic and have some cost benefit. So they said, can you do it in, in three months? And what we did is we understood their problem, understood their need. We communicated with 16 suppliers to that factory in 10 different countries we could standardize with two different pallets. And then with looking at all of that, we could make a fixed cost benefit and collections because we're collecting from the same factory. So let's say it was 100,000 pallets. Well, we could pick up on, a, on three or four times a week. We could give those savings to the customer. So they, they delegated the management with their suppliers and within their factory for us to pick, collect, and issue. The one good thing about that is we were in charge of 100% availability, 100% quality, 100% hygiene and sustainability. Um, and, and we've had many examples where, you know, with costs going up of wood today, availability problems, uh, you know, microbiological infection risks, we have food grade plastics that we can look at and, and put into the supply chain. I mean, I did mention we had half a billion units, but those units, some of them are going eight times, some 12 times a year. So if, if you, you know, could buy 4,000 pallets and actually do 20,000 trips with them, you don't need 20,000 pallets. We can do it with 4,000 if you spun it six or seven times a year. I know it. I noted in your in your profile, um, you stress the importance of effective communication. 
And I guess that this effectiveness is even more important when you have international responsibilities as as you do. Um, so how important do you think is effective communication in creating and sustaining all of those supply chain relationships that you need to be successful in an international business like yours? Um, communication is, is the key uh, to any business and any relationship. And uh, I think the, the key here is, is if you talk to Tosco or you talk to me, I would be as passionate to get your business as I would to solve a problem. And we tend to put all the energy into the front end of a relationship to win a business. But true sales, true service uh, is where you look after the customer. Our customer service team was changed, the name in Europe, to customer success. So what's that mean? Every day they wake up and they say, what's my job? It's to give customer success. In my case, it's to be available 24-7 uh, and, and you know, never to let a call, a text, an email go unanswered and to really realize that, I mean, I'm only one person in a team of 1,550 across the States and Europe. And when I talk and communicate, I don't feel it's me talking. I feel I represent every one of those 1,550 team members. Why? Because you're not getting me. You're getting the 1,550 people that I can coordinate, uh, collaborate with. And it's only through teamwork and communication uh, that we, we give customer satisfaction. So uh, I would also say that even if you speak a language or English, it's not enough to speak the language. It's how you communicate the manner in which you do that, and to resolve conflicts. Everyone is under pressure with COVID, with Brexit, with cost challenges. But if you are honest and transparent and communicate regularly in the same format, I think you get respect and you, and you get trust. And let's, let's face it, supply chain is about trust. Is it going to be delivered? Can I trust you? Will you cover my back? And I think Tosca does all those things. 93.9, Dublin South FM. What kind of recruitment, development, incentivization is needed to create that kind of virtuous circle where you've got good communication, strong relationships, customer success, and then re repeat or expanded business opportunities? Um, I, I think all leadership comes from the top. Uh, but if you reverse that pyramid of everyone looks up to the leader, um, we were very lucky uh, uh, in, um, in having leaders within Tosca. Uh, Eric Frank, who's our, our, our chief executive across globally. But from my experience, Jesse Sells, who is our, our European vice president, um, he gets stuck in and supports every single person and there is no layer, and, and we respect Tim and his leadership uh, because he he gives every individual the opportunity to shine and find their own solutions. Uh, and it's about speed and teamwork. So, yeah, it's incredibly important uh, this leadership concept. And in terms of recruitment, uh, we don't really have people leave Tosca. Um, as I say, I'm, I'm extremely happy after 12 years. I, I know I have many more years. It's because it's fun. 
Uh, it's a family kind of patriarchal relationship, matriarchal relationship. It's open opportunity for every single person uh, in every culture. And, and I think that's why the business is growing double digit and why we're attracting uh, long-term customers who maybe use us in one factory and then end up using us in 50 factories across Europe, which is an, actually a case in point. And a priori then, what kind of individuals and base skills are needed for this kind of environment that you're talking about there to, to fulfill those types of roles into the future? I think a self-starter, intelligence, initiative, integrity, trust, stamina, energy, and a sense of, of can-do and fun, and a team player. Almost everybody I, I asked to come on this um, show, I, I asked this question about globalization and the current position of globalization, not presupposing necessarily that they're experts in the field of global affairs, but just to get their kind of layman's uh, perspective. So what's kind of your view on where we're headed with the whole process of economic globalization? As we saw, it grew very rapidly through our, our career, the, you know, the decades that you and I have been, been working all through the 90s, the 2000s, up to 2010. And then it's slowed since, maybe flatlined since then. We've had COVID, we've had Brexit, now we've war in Europe. So I wonder, what do you think? Is this all just a blip? Is the thing fundamentally changing in form? Or are we actually in reversal? What, what do you think? What's your take on it? I think if you look at... Uh the globalization, I think the huge acceleration of communication with, uh, you know, used to be uh, telexes and, uh, and, you know, mail, then became uh, email, then you now get WhatsApp, uh, and it's the availability of people is 24-7. In the old days, you said, I'll get to my office and open my computer to check my messages. Well, now you just look at your iPhone and you see a WhatsApp and says, Andrew, I've sent you an email, but can I get X, X many pallets? I'm in a rush. And you can go, yes, WhatsApp the guy in Belgium to, to production, to delivery, and come back and say, yeah, here's your order number. So does that help globalization? Yes, it does, because uh, you're not waiting on communication blocks. Um, I also see, you know, in, in, in Europe, it's changed because with the UK, we're worried about uh, Brexit and rules and regulations. And people move their production to Poland or different sites. And, and people have production in Asia. And we're looking for the lowest cost denomination uh, to be the most efficient producers for all our products and where we buy. And I think globalization won't stop. I think people demand more choice. They demand availability at a, at a cracking cost. Um, I mean, if, if you look at uh, supermarkets today in England, um, I mean, I enjoy some of the, uh, some of the uh, new ones that have come in. And I have to say they give incredible quality, uh, supply availability, and with a smile. So you'd never think it would happen in the past, but it does. So I'm a great fan of globalization. And uh, I'm, I'm, I like being in a business where it's globalized. Um, and there's some fantastic products around the world that people want in their homes, be it a, you know, a Kiwi from New Zealand 
or a wine from uh, the California um, or, or, or Rioja, you want them. And people's desire for more and the ability to pay, as long as they, they have that desire, they will create a pull for people to globalize and find products that people like. It's not to say that the local buying from your local farm during COVID, which has happened, won't won't change. You'll mix and match, I believe. Uh, so as we kind of come into the last few minutes of the interview, maybe I'll change tack a bit and leave the business side behind a little and maybe just ask you a little bit about yourself. So when you're not um, working and you're not thinking about business, what kind of things do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, well, I, I, I love sport. I, I, I played hockey, tennis, squash. Uh, in fact, in two hours, I'll be playing tennis in the rain. Uh, but I'll still be playing. Um, I love photography. I love travel. Um, and I have uh, a rather huge dog that I need to walk and to rescue cats. Uh, and, and, you know, my wife and I like trying to help people. So I think being a positive energy and light wherever you are and, uh, you know, the joy of being able to live in, in today's world, I'm ever so grateful for any opportunity. And I try and spread, uh, you know, goodwill a smile and a, and a sense of humor and um you know life is for living so that's my motto really are you reading or listening to anything you know like audiobooks or podcasts that have inspired you that you'd like to share with listeners um there's a guy called brendan bouchard that i quite like for some uh he does a daily planner which i like using and uh, it's very good. You start the day with uh, a diary about what you want to achieve. And in the end of the day, have you achieved it? It helps you not forget things and keep you online. It is a book. It's on paper. It's not uh, on my phone, but it's old fashioned, good common sense. Um, and then I, I kind of read and look at eclectic things. Um, there's the the four agreements, which is uh, actually a... Um, a Mexican Central American man. One of the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. And, you know, you can read as many books as you want, business development, self-help, but you come back to the basics, um, which is be impeccable with your word, you know, live, live your life and be true to yourself, help others and be treated as you would like to treat others. So it's, uh, maybe simple from out of the, uh, the uh, Mexican jungles uh, where these, you know, these historical uh, quotations have come from. So where can people find out more about uh, Tosca and the products and services that you have available? Uh, we're on the internet. Uh, I think it's Tosca.com. They can look. Um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Andrew R.G. Wilson. So uh, delighted to point people in the right direction. Um, my hobby is probably more of a catalyst. I don't do everything, but I, I know someone who can and I know where to get it. So um, <laughs> you're a you're a connector. I'm a connector. Like like you, Patrick, I think uh, we're we're cut from the same tree, which is uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoy my time talking to you and uh, your energy. And um, we have several other things in common, which is nice. Thank you very much. So uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you today, uh, Andrew, and uh, wish you the very best for the future, both personally and professionally. Good. Thank you ever so much, Patrick. And um, as I say, I'm available and Tosca just a loving trying to bring sustainability to the business and uh, 
you know, end-to-end supply chain solutions. So thank you very much for this opportunity and you have a wonderful day. Excellent. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. Any comments or questions, just drop me a line on pdaily at albalogistics.com. That's pdaily, P-D-A-L-Y at albalogistics.com. Keep well and stay safe until next time.